welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Podcast, the show where we take a given movie genre and we explore those titles that are really great, even though the book was better. Those bad movies where the book was definitely better, and those ugly movies where the book was still better. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark. Hey, I'm Kelly. And I'm Charles. And today we are exploring movies based on well-regarded fiction. Which is Mark's pick. Yes, I'm kind of I'm kind of really excited about these picks. Actually, um, I'm what, pleased with we myself. I'm earlier, not sure Charles is. Mark, I uh, I have to just say, at first I was like, I don't know about these, but then as I as I finished watching them, I think these are really good picks. I don't think that they're the ones I would have chosen just because there's such a wide swath of things that you could have chosen for this topic. You know what I mean? So everyone's bound to disagree a little bit, but I think these are really good picks. So I'm excited to talk about them with you guys. There were, there were definitely a lot to choose from. Indeed. And you chose these three. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what is that? What's that supposed to mean, Charles? No, that out of all the... No, it's good. So we're looking at the uh, Time Machine, Beowulf, and The Road. Uh, Time Machine's the earliest, right? So, was that? Yes. So do you want to do the, do you want to do the synopsis or the trailer first? Uh, let's jump right into the trailer. All right. Here we go. Let me... Is that trailer going? Such stories as H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds and Jules Verne's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea have challenged mankind. So today, man is successfully probing deep into the mysteries of the universe. Can he penetrate the greatest mystery of all, time itself? of George Pell and the fabulous production know-how of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer to catapult you through time into a world that is yet to be. Why is it that we usually ignore the fourth dimension? You, you see, we can move in the other three. As the doctor said, up, down, forwards, backwards, sideways. But when it comes to time, we are prisoners. Inventor Rod Taylor's breakthrough into the realm of the fourth dimension is defied by his friend Alan Young. If that machine can do what you see it can, Destroy it, George, before it destroys you. Every moment is a year, hurtling through the atomic wars of the future on an incredible excursion into the unknown. What are the people like? Ah, the shape of things to come. It's lovely Yvette Mimieu. And what happens when boy meets girl thousands of years hence? How do they wear their hair? Who? The women of your time. Up like that? Show me. Is this the human race of the future? Or is this the Morlocks, fiendish creatures who live in a weird underground world? And the Eloi, the tranquil sunshine people, who the Morlocks dominate and maintain like cattle, luring them below with the hypnotic wail of the sirens to feed upon them in cannibalistic horror. So that was the trailer for the 1960 version of the Time Machine. You want to read the synopsis uh, now, Mark? Ch Charles, Charles, Charles. We're looking what? at a 2002 Time Machine. What? The man in what? Oh my God! You need your own Time Machine, Charles. You went back too <laughs> Maybe far. Maybe I time do. To 1960. Hold on. Uh, we only have to go. All right. I can't do math. All right. Hold 17 on. years back. Hold on. Let me. Let me see if I can find it here. All right. Here we go. The one that's even better. That's not possible. <laughs> Our next stop is Antiquities. Make sure that your micro scans are charged for download. Let's go. And Tommy, if you do that again, I will resequence your DNA. So help me. Now march. Welcome. How may I help you? Over here, area of inquiry. Tell me about the time machine. 
Time Machine was written by H.G. Wells in 1894. It was later adapted to a motion picture by George Powell and a stage musical by Andrew Lloyd Webber, which no, ran that, on Broadway for I mean. years. Would you like to hear selections from the score? No. There's a place called Tomorrow. Thank you. That's quite enough. Will there be anything else? Uh, no. No, I, I think I'll have better luck in a few hundred years. Time travel. It's possible, sir. Not in this world. Where do you come from? I'm from the past. I wonder if we'll ever go too far. With what? With this, with all of this. No such thing. Why have you traveled through time? To have a question answered. Why can't one change the past? Why would you want to? You lost someone. Someone you loved very much. You should go back to your own time. Why? There are things better left not said. Tell me what's happening here. Then if the truth will haunt your dreams for all time. Well, I think I'm used to that. This was not supposed to happen. They're human beings. I can look inside your memories, your dreams, your nightmares. You have to resist! Nothing will change the future. You're wrong. I will change it. And we're back. Hopefully back that, was the right, the that was the right trailer, right? Yes, 2002. And here's the synopsis. Alexander Hardigan is a scientist and an inventor who is determined to prove that time travel is possible. When the girl he loves is tragically killed, Alexander is determined to go back in time and change the past. Testing his theories, the time machine has hurtled 80, 800,000 years into the future. He discovers a terrifying new world. Instead of mankind being the hunter, they are now the hunted, with him stuck in the middle. Ba -ba -ba. In indeed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, what do y'all think? Good, bad, or ugly? I think, I think this is going to be your ugly. I think it's going to be your bad. Oh, no. I'm, I feel like I always disappoint <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> Mark, why? <laughs> this is, in fact, my bad pick. No. <laughs> so sorry. All right. Kelly. So sorry. It's fine. Uh, I'll survive. Yeah, this, this movie is like, I saw it a long time ago, and I was young enough where it should have been still cool to me because of, you know, the special effects and just the time travel. But, uh, no, this movie was not cool. I think any age is uh, cool for special effects <laughs> and time travel. What did you say? I'm eating. I assume that the, the any age is appropriate for – or cool for time travel. Yeah, but, you know, at that age I was still able to like, oh, my gosh, this is a great movie because it's got lasers. You know, I hadn't uh, developed a more mature – viewing system but Understand. still this movie was pretty bad i remember um, i was so baby. excited to see it like I, I was in california at the time and you know i went to the theater and i was ah, so jack because i think you mentioned this last time it's the it's the grandson of uh yeah of hg uh, wells H. G. that wells. wrote it yeah so it simon wells and it was i was kind of like all right this is gonna be cool like of course he's gonna be make it good and it's gonna be tribute to his grandfather and all this and then no it was terrible <laughs> um, I, my, go ahead Kelly I so I thought it was your ugly the first half I don't know the first half of this movie is classic ugly to me like it it almost felt like an 1800s lifetime movie or some kind of spoof yeah. about Groundhog Day or something where he, I, w I was kind of getting into it. You know, it was goofy. It was absurd. It had that secret sauce of badness that kept me entertained but then the second half just really lost me. I it it stopped making any kind of sense. The thing with Samantha Mumba, I I didn't really understand if that was supposed to be an implied relationship. I I just don't know, but um Yeah. I, I think it was, yeah. Or at I, least that's that's how we're expected to to see what happens after the events of the movie is that they're going to, you know, be in a relationship together. 
Right. And I haven't seen, I, I confess, I haven't read The Time Machine, so I don't know if that's how it was written or if it was just... No, uh, no, no, uh, no. Okay, I, it felt I, very Hollywood, but I haven't. I, didn't I haven't know. either, so I, I don't know. I was going to ask you that, Mark. I'm assuming you read all three of these, right? Yeah, I have. Uh, this, I, it's quite a good story, obviously. It's so loved. and uh, But he, he the, kind of the half of the movie is pretty accurate to the story. Um, he doesn't lose his girlfriend though, but he does go forward in time. He sees that there are these two races. Um, they're not. They're, I don't. It's been a while since I read it, but they're not quite as humanoid as we see them. I think they're like smaller, kind of like cute little creatures who live on top of the world. Uh, and then underneath are the se- the separate race who come and eat them, and that's just how the that that's how the world works. And then he decides he kind of has to escape from there, and he goes even farther in the future, like way, way, way in the future. And sees these really creepy, like, I think they're octopi-type things crawling on the kind of dead surface of the earth. Mm. And it freaks him out so much that he goes back home to, to the, his original time, like, back to when he left. And uh, So he never lost a girlfriend or anything like that? Yeah. No, no, no. That was actually no, it's a short uh, it's a short story, or at least novella. It's not, it's not really even that long of a, of that a story. That was one of the things that really bugged me, because it was, you know, when he's trying to save her each time... <laughs> Like, out the window she dies. It was almost absurd the way she would die. Like, it was comical to me. Like, and it should have been dramatic, but it didn't have right. the weight. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> You're right. Yeah. I mean, like, it should have been like, oh, my God, it's really tragic. Like, oh, no. But it said it's like unintentional laughter when she's like, out the window yeah. she's dying. <laughs> In front of the flowers. In front of the flowers. Yes, it's, it's terrible. Well, and so, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but she only dies twice, right? Yes. yes, and then and then he decides this will happen every time, you know. Right. But I've assumed, right I assume I assume that they time. they implied that they that she died a lot more is kind of what yeah, I yeah I couldn't I couldn't quite tell. So, yeah. so even on top yeah. of that, still I have another main complaint to this movie, which is they don't understand how time works. Eight hundred thousand years in the future would be so far removed from anything you know they're still talking about like the moon being destroyed like nobody would care anymore like that like back when the moon was destroyed we we still speak english eight hundred thousand years yeah, later he, well even when he yeah even in the area well what they were were they eight hundred thousand years or did he go further than that he went further right and came back he went way so he went eight hundred thousand that's when all the the main stuff happened with the with okay. the two races but then he goes, and and so the the bad guys have built these like statuesque, huge, you know, mean faces on the on the surface. Then he goes, I think it's like six million years into the future, or <laughs> six billion. I can't. I, I think there is actually six billion or trillion with all those zeros, and they're still the same like heads. <laughs> like there's no <laughs> way that the civilization could last that long. I guess they're thinking the sure, sun will last for a long time, but the. But okay, so they—I mean—they at least tried to explain the English part. It's on the—it's on the tablets or whatever the tablet language. But it was still ridiculous that that they, yeah. she would be speak perfect English for him, just where you yeah. have to go. And I—I uh, I just, I don't—I don't know. Was that was that at all accurate to the book? Like any of that? I mean, you no. said it was little, more little creatures, and the the book was more about like society and different levels of like right. Like wasn't it the people right? Almost like bourgeois and whatever the other one is, I forget. I always forget. But like it was like a class yeah, thing, the, right? Yeah, there's a famous name for the for the underclass, and I, of course I can't remember it. I'll but, look it up here. But, but um, uh, the, that's really the only thing that's that close to the story. But okay, so the, that that was the thing that bugged me, like all of that. But I tell you, like there are some things I like about this movie. Um, but I hold on before I get to that, that we should actually mention Guy Pierce. He's terrible in this movie. Like, yeah, and he, really and he bad. shows up in the road a little bit, and and I, yeah. I as I kind of realizing that I'm like, oh, Guy Pierce, you know, he just never yeah. really took off as an actor. Like, he, you haven't seen him in many movies recently at all. Like, um, and I think this movie is actually a good example of why. Like, he's so flat in it. Um, mm. and and anyway, so but as far as what I do like, I actually and I, I think Kelly will probably not like this part. But I like Jeremy Irons in it. Like I thought, I was, I liked his part a lot. Um, it was, oh no, I did. I when when he actually when they go into the evil guy lair, I forget what his name is, but when they go in the lair and he has the conversation with him, every t- like I've watched this a couple of times and it 
Jeremy Irons is actually kind of nice to him. He's like, you have your answer, now go. He's going to let him go. Like, nothing, yeah, no harm, no foul. Like, okay, cool. <laughs> this guy's not being a jerk. He's not being mean to him at all. He just... I, I love it, though. Well, other than I, I really do. he's trapped this girl he likes and is going to use her for breeding. Yeah. You know, yeah. There's that villain. You know, I get the, yeah, it. but I get the feeling he would have probably given her up anyway. Like, if he'd have asked just nice enough, okay, fine, here you go, now go. You know, I just... I, I did. I like that character. I like the makeup. I... <laughs> I think the I think the makeup and acting were okay, but the plot as a plot device it was ridiculous. It was like okay, yeah. we must have this villain, central villain character <laughs> who knows everything, and it just completely was incongruous with well, well, with the it, it is with I, what I, was going I, on. I, I'm not denying that. I'm not and his back but the rest of the movie sucked, so it's kind of you know back I don't brain. necessarily want to tie into yes. that, but um, <laughs> but I I knew I was and, watching. I knew Kelly was not going to like Jeremy Irons. She just does not like Jeremy Irons, and I don't even know why. He's amazing. All I can, he is he is a really good actor, but I just think of him, and I think of Dead Ringers. I That has scarred me for life on Jeremy that Irons. should make you I, think of great acting. Did you just say just, scarred you for life? Yeah, there you go. It, there you go. He's great he in that, too. He, yes. Can we discuss what happened at the end, like after the Jeremy Irons part, how the time machine like blew everything up and and oh, I have no idea. cracks in the surface of the earth like what? I was, watch, I was watching it with my wife and again it, she, she's like, well, how that happened? They, she was she was kind of assuming that they'd explain that like, and I'm like, they didn't. Like, I have no idea <laughs> no. why that worked no. or why they could climb away well, from it. Charles, it's a time machine which he causes to explode, and therefore the explosion blast radius causes everything to disintegrate back into time. And it kills it all the bad guys. Okay, okay, hold on. So left so, surviving all the good guys. Hold on, like, it hold is on. So, so, so I didn't think about that. It sent him back in time. You don't think it just destroyed him? So there's somewhere else on the time. Possibly, because <laughs> it looked like they kind of faded. They kind of faded into nothingness. I thought they just they vaporized, like, is what I was picturing. But I thought so too. Oh, that's interesting, actually. I didn't <clears> think <throat> of that. So maybe they're not dead. That's they. There could be a sequel. Yeah. Except the, the well, Jeremy Irons is definitely dead. He just, <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> And the Jeremy Irons character said that there are, like, different tribes of them all over the world. And it only looks like they destroyed one tribe of them. So I was also confused as to how that was a plot resolution. That's exactly what my wife Kelly said. Yeah. So. <laughs> but while we're picking things apart, okay, so he kicks Jeremy Irons out of the time machine as it's going through time. And, like, so in my mind, immediately his body would be separated from his arms because they're in different timelines. But he just, you know, he just slowly aged until he died, which is kind of a cool scene, but it was. Still, yeah. I, I, what yeah, I mean, I understand it's not realistic, but it looked cool. It reminded me of uh, the Raider, or not Raiders of the Lost Ark, the, um, uh, the Holy Grail, Indian Jones and the, whatever the Holy Grail one is, I can't think of what it's called. Um, but it reminded me of that one, because they show the, the bad guy, he gets, he drinks from the, the wrong thing, mm-hmm. and it ages him, like, instantly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Why can't I not think of the last Indian Jones movie? <laughs> Yeah, I was about to like. I'm totally blanking all, out. I was about to feel snotty and be like, "Of course it's called," and then I couldn't remember it either. Oh my gosh! <laughs> well, it's like, I know Razor Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, Crystal Skull. Don't do not Final do something. not speak of Crystal Skull. That I'm never, sorry, never I happened. Take it back. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it's something like the Last Stand or Final something, isn't it? Oh my gosh! I don't know. It's one of my favorite. I don't it's, know. It's my second favorite yeah. one. Yeah. I don't can't even think of it. Out of, out of out of three. Four. So, I do actually. I will crazy. say I do like the way they did the. I like the look of the time machine. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Like as far as graphics go, and I like the effect um, too. I like I like mm-hmm. the, you know the the way they showed it the first time. It's like all the aging around him. Um, yeah. And I even like the. I think it's Orlando Jones that plays the museum curator person. The encyclopedia. Yeah. I liked him. Yeah, although it's a little, so it's a little ridiculous that. That his that still works like that many years later, yeah. but I I do yeah. like it when he's like, and yes, I even remember you, like, I I don't know. There's something about that knowledge kind of and, and and time. There it, were some it promising like Twilight little Zone nuggets. Thing. Yeah, there were like there were some promising little nuggets that could have been cool devices had they been used more properly. That's I also right. think this movie is maybe five or ten years too early. Because it's, it's interesting going back and watching movies from the late '90s or early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Because like we've gotten so good at making gl- kind of gritty, realistic 
cinematic stuff now that when you go back to this, you know, with the with the girl kind of trapped in the cage and he's trying to save her. And so it's kind of like this contrast of these really nice set designs and special effects, but all, but still the script is still still too yeah. early 2000s. And I, I comparing this to okay, so the creatures, the um, the whatever Warlocks. they were. The war, the Morlocks, yes. Um, those looked so bad and stupid to me, like <laughs> so terrible. But then I thought, okay, they they made orcs really well in two thousand and one, yeah. In in the Lord of the Rings movies, and so I'm like, okay, was it just did the did Peter Jackson just have like a way more gigantic budget or what? Because well, these were light years away. I kind of liked the Morlocks, but I kind of didn't. Like I liked the concept of it, and I like if I had just seen the mask itself i think would like oh that'd be a cool creepy costume mm-hmm. but the way it moved and it was kind of like almost uncanny valley where yeah. it didn't quite seem like they were really creatures and it wasn't a good practical effect yeah but when they were running on all fours that was pretty cool yeah that's true yeah it was interesting so like you said there were some interesting nuggets but uh, not enough to be ugly and definitely not enough to be good in my yeah. opinion yeah all right have we picked this one apart enough have we Traveled through its timeline enough? <laughs> I think so. I think so. All right. Let's move on to Beowulf 2007. Speaking of Uncanny Valley. And, yeah, uh, exactly. Did yeah, you, exactly. You, you want to do the trailer again as well first? Yeah, let's do the trailer okay, first. Here it goes. Are you doing Teen Wolf or are you doing the real trailer? I'm doing the real trailer. Teen okay. Wolf would have been awesome. I should have. If, if I'd have thought of that earlier or thought of anything like, like that, I should have done it. This is the real one, though. They say, you have a monster here. They say, your lands are cursed. There have been many brave men who have come. But in the morning, there was nothing left but blood on the floor. And the benches. And the walls. I am Beowulf. I will kill your monster. Go in with you. Good. Are you the one they call Beowulf? Such a strong man you are. (laughs) Show yourself! the trailer for Beowulf. Uh, The synopsis is a little short one here. The warrior Beowulf must fight and defeat the monster Grendel, who is terrorizing Denmark, and later Grendel's mother, who begins killing out of revenge. So a time-honored story. uh, Zemeckis is tackling it, and uh, this is my ugly, um, as you probably have guessed. Not only that, like, this is probably, this is up there with Little Nicky with, like, my quintessential ugly picks. I'm actually oh. kind of a, uh, <laughs> and again, I'm just, I feel so ashamed to call your presence now because, because <laughs> I feel like you, you probably think this, these are just as bad as little Nicky, but I, I kind of like Zemeckis's, the CGI stuff that he does. I really like the, the Christmas Carol as well that he did. Um, not as huge of a fan of the Polar Express, but I think that was just a little bit too early in the technology. I, I like this movie for one. I, <laughs> I don't even. I mean, I. There are things I don't like. I, I would hesitate to even call it an ugly film, but I like this movie. Oh man, my hair is crazy with these headphones. Um, but anyway, uh, so that was my thing. I was like, man, you pick Beowulf. I was like, 
and you pick the road and it's like, uh, okay, this has to be your <laughs> ugly one, I guess, but um, by default. But um, as I was saying, it's you know it's entirely computer generated. It's from 2007, and I. I, I I think a lot of it still holds up. And I know that you guys may think I'm crazy on that. Like, there are some scenes where I do think it's photorealistic. But then there are other scenes that I think look terrible. Um, this, yeah. this you, you mentioned Polar Express. I think this comes across better than Polar Express as far as the realism in it. And it's, it's interesting that when the actors look like themselves and sound like themselves, it comes across better. Like, I think Anthony Hopkins was... They nailed that, I think. That just... There's... Yeah. Well, that seems that. But one of the things that bugs me the most about this movie um, is the fact that their voices don't match up always. Like so, um, and I don't mean like the actual animation. I mean as far as the the tones of their voice and the the accents. Uh, especially you've got Ray Winstone is playing Beowulf, and Ray Winstone does not look like Beowulf in real life. That does not look anything like the man that's doing the voice. And they had to use a you know it's a body double doing the body, and. Um, and, and so Ray Winston's got that very Cockney British accent and it just, there are some parts where it just did not sound right. They say, you have yeah. a monster here. And like, it, I will kill your monster. And I just, that's pretty good. Charles. I just, thank you. I, yes. But, but the, um, I've been driving my wife nuts with that ever since I was deciding I was going to do that. Um, but anyway, that, that accent, I like Ray Winston as an actor, very tough guy actor, but I could not separate it from that voice. Um, and then when you listen to the other accents in the movie, you have Americans like like Robin Wright um, Penn, or I guess Robin Wright is Robin Wright now. Um, that sounds funny. But you have her doing an American accent, Anthony Hopkins as well. So you've got uh, uh, Crispin Glover uh, playing Grendel, and he's doing an yeah. American accent but speaking in Old English. And it's just they're all over the place. There's no consistency to where these people are supposed to be uh, geographically. I, I just didn't understand it. Um, because so that, that it's a story me. for all ages, Charles. <laughs> yeah. All people. Did that, did that not bother either one of you? Obviously. Did you? Did you? Did that bother either of you? Like, am I the only yeah, one? Yeah, it did bother me yeah. a little bit, especially especially the Beowulf's accent. So, was it his face though? No, that's what I'm saying. It was a completely different person that did complete, the capture. Because okay. um, I assumed I assumed it was, him, and then I looked up the picture of the actor. I'm like, that looks nothing like what's it, happening here. Well, it doesn't, and he's a great actor. He's been like he was in The Departed, Mr. French, and. He, again, he's he's a great actor. Just this is weird. It's it reminded me of um, the Final Fantasy movie from, I think the early two thousand. Yeah. I can't remember where Alec Baldwin voiced a character, and the character looked like Ben Affleck, and that drove me nuts the entire movie. I'm like, that's not yeah. Ben Affleck's voice. Like, <laughs> now they weren't going for Ben Affleck, of course, but still. Um, anyway, sorry, Mark. I didn't mean to hijack it. I just the no. accent thing really bugged me, and the there is a. Um, the storyline is kind of weird how it separates out into like there's two different pieces periods to it. I don't really like the big jump in time they do. Um, I didn't think it was handled yeah. well. And and the aging, like I read, um, I think I read this a while back that one of the reasons Zemeckis wanted to do this entirely in CG was because they were going to go so far into the you know future, thirty years or whatever, right. twenty years. But the thing is, they look exactly the same to me. Even when he opens yeah. up his... He's talking about how old of a man he is. He's super ripped. He's yeah. freaking ripped. And he doesn't look old at all. I'm like, man, Beowulf. Yeah. Like, I'm, you know, and they're just talking about how old they are. And it's like, you look the same. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Well, okay. So the reason this is, a, is an ugly pick for me is is partly because of the, the CGI, but also just the kind of gratuitous... Uh, Angelina Jolie body showing, and also, also, you know, the the ripped guy as he's naked battling the troll. You know, the Austin Powers so on, types. Those those yeah. were goofy. Like, why did it have to be naked when he's battling? Like, I don't. Right. That was, it could have been loincloth or something, and and it wouldn't have been as conspicuous. Uh, and how but, Angelina Jolie's feet are like in the shape of high heels, even though she's nude. Yeah. Yeah. I must admit, I yeah, actually kind of like that. I think that was an interesting touch. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Because it was, she's... it was interesting, but I think that that pushes it into the realm of ugly movie for me, and and just uh, just Anthony Hopkins coming in, waving his arms, drunk, and he's kind of naked, you know, with just a fornication, and like that thing falls off. It's like, come on, he just kills him. So, but the cool thing you mentioned the time jump that that like they stay tr- pretty true to the storyline in this um, in this version, other than. The whole adultery part of it. Um, so, Grindel's mother was just a sea hag or a, a 
in the in the a swamp hag that he kills. So I was going to ask you that because like, I don't remember. It. I did read it in high school, but I don't remember it. it. Was did they was there the whole thing with it being Grindel being the son of the king? Yes, that was in the story. Yeah, Gr- no, no, no. Sorry, no, no. Grindel was the son of of. Uh, what's her name? What's Angelina Jolie's character's name? No, just I think it's just Grindel's mother. Anyway, he he was the son of the mother, but not of Rothgar. He was just a troll, and Beowulf kills the troll. The so, mother gets angry, so, say, and so he has to go. You kill say no mother. adultery. There, I mean, you meant, you meant both the king and Beowulf. None of that happened, right? Yeah, none was, of that happened. Was there a big dragon uh-huh. at the end in the original? There was a big dragon at the end. Yeah. So it kind of, it almost is kind of. I kind of like what they did with the whole adultery part, especially it too. being you know in the early two thousands. You've got you know the kind of feminist stuff with seeing Robert Robin Wright. Uh, you know, having to put up with this horrible situation, and she, you know, she's kind of in two loveless marriages, and uh, yeah. and so bringing that in and bringing just the shame of the adultery and having having this illegitimate sons coming back to haunt you and and to kind of displace you. So it, it was kind of a cool little through line they come up they came up with to tie all these three scenes together, which are which are exactly the th- three scenes in the original story was the killing of Grendel, the killing of his mother, and then the dragon at the end. Well, and I, you know, I did like that. I like the one of my favorite scenes is actually the one where Anthony Hopkins is questioning Beowulf about killing, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Did you kill her?" And he's like, "Well, you know, if I if I hadn't, would I be here?" And all that, dodging the question. I just that's the part where it looked the most, for one, the most photorealistic. I was like, "Okay, I'm believing this acting now," and it was just also a really creepy, weird scene where you know now that Anthony Hopkins knows he's free of it. I, I love that scene. That was. Yeah, that to me elevates the whole thing above and beyond that one little moment. Um, but you're right. There's that's all surrounded by these goofy moments. The Austin Powers nudity scene, like mm-hmm. the over the top um, violence um, and the sexual nature, the bodiness of it. I guess the mm-hmm. um, I, I was actually thinking about this. Like you know, this is a PG-13 film in the U.S. Um, is this the most violent PG-13 film, like, ever? I mean, it has to be. They, they get away with more because it's animated. And the same thing with the yeah. nudity. Like, I feel like there's yeah. this would have been an R-rated thing if this had been a actually photographed. Um, and I think Ebert even mentions that, like, that, that um, in his review of it, he talks about all that stuff. And it's kind of like, you're, you're at a level where it's almost photorealistic. What point would have tipped it off into being too much for PG-13, you know? Because there's yeah. so much bloodletting and all that in the movie. Anyway. Yeah. But. Yeah. I, I just... This is, it's an okay movie, but to me, the animation is very weird in this. Like, even just the fact that it's animated at all. I, I don't understand why it isn't either... Like, if they want to animate it, why it isn't more cartoony or why didn't they just film it live action? Because there doesn't seem to be a huge point in expensively animating an exact likeness of celebrities. You know, like why it wasn't, you know, anytime you animate something and it you open yourself up to the possibility of it looking dated in a few years time. And to me, it wasn't like quite there where they didn't. I just don't I don't understand yeah. why, because it's like you that level of of detail and animation it had to be expensive to do and they were still having to pay anthony hopkins robert and robin wright pin all these people so it's like why didn't they just film them because I, mm-hmm. I i don't know that was distracting to me i totally agree with everything you're saying about the gratuitous and overly grossness of it like grindle eating the guy's head for it felt like a ridiculously long amount of time like staring at beowulf while he was crunching it into dust and the lady's boobs swinging hither and yon while she's scrubbing yeah. the table well, you, and you said earlier kelly that I feel like I just cut you off again, but I, you were, you, we were talking about this stuff earlier. You were talking about these are very much a guy's choice, like not things that he would have chosen. And this, right. I think, represents like this is a, a guy's film, a stereotypical male, you know, thing. And I I could see that. I could see that. But I, I despite all the things you're talking about, like I said, I actually like this movie. I really do. Um, so, But even for all that guy stuff, I think they were still... I think I think the Robin Wright thing is still at least laudable with with showing just how like how unhappy she is and how and that talk she has with the younger girl at the end about about everything and it's like at least at least it's admitting to itself mm-hmm. that this is not all glamour and that you know this this way of life way back then was 
was horrible for for any woman caught in you know this cycle <laughs> whatever of, kingdom they're supposed to be in i don't even yeah yeah well the the whole anthony hopkins rothgar giving up his kingdom to beowulf was not in the original either beowulf goes back to to his land and his king there but so that didn't make sense him giving up his wife and all of that <laughs> yeah. you, you can have my life my wife my kingdom ah, i'm done peace out yeah i'm hopping out this window now. spoiler yeah. alert yeah. yeah anyway all right let's hit the road guys and talk about the road all right let's do the trailer right. here we go let's get the trailer started. i tell the boy when you dream about bad things happening it shows you're still fighting it's when you start to dream about good things you should start to worry. How many people do you think are still alive? In the world? Not very many. It is cold and growing colder as the world slowly dies. No animals have survived and all the crops are long gone. We won't survive another winter here. We gotta keep moving. It's out to the coast. The roads are peopled by gangs looking for food. That boy looks hungry. You look at him again, I'll shoot you in the head. I don't think you killed a man in your life. They're gonna catch up with us. And they're going to kill us. I told you I would do whatever it takes. Like what? I'll kill anyone who touches you. apologize now for making y'all watch this <laughs> just, like, just this film putting you through that emotional thank you I'm, that means a lot for you to say Mark <laughs> if there is a god up there he would have turned it back on us by now Carrying the fire. What fire? Fire inside you. They're not gonna quit. All right, and that is the trailer for the road. Um, kind of a hard film to watch, but Kelly Charles, had y'all seen this before prior to the podcast? I had, yeah, I saw it in theaters. No, I hadn't seen it. Okay, so Kelly, what was your reaction then, just having seen it for the first for the first time? <laughs> Oh my god! It this this movie was excruciating for me to get there. I'm not gonna lie. It is incredibly well done, and I can understand why you picked it. But man, is it bleak! Like, I mean, three minutes into it, I was like, "Wow, how am I gonna do this? I I don't know." It she it was, text, was hard to. Get. She told me when she texted me when she started it, and then it was literally just like a few minutes later. She's like, "This is so bleak." I'm like, "You haven't even watched <laughs> ten minutes yet." It was so <laughs> yeah, sad. I can't. Well. Yeah, but but Viggo Mortensen, that being said, was amazing in it. He's such a good actor. And those 30 too. seconds with Robert Duvall were some of the most powerful in the movie, I thought. That scene he was, was awesome, barely yeah. in it. Yeah, it was. I, I did like that scene a lot. Uh, quick synopsis. In a dangerous post-apocalyptic world, an ailing father defends his son as they slowly travel to the sea. So this is, of course, based on the book The Road by Cormac McCarthy, which won him the Pulitzer Prize. Um, and it is an amazing piece of literature. Everything I've read by him is an amazing piece of literature because he's Cormac McCarthy. But um, I think once I had once I had thought of this movie, I knew in I knew instantly it was going to be my good pick. Even though I had a like just to list a couple of the good picks, I was thinking of Breakfast at Tiffany's, which I went and watched the first fifteen minutes. I was like, oh no, <laughs> because uh, oh because of uh, Mickey Rooney or the Mickey Rooney's Japanese character, yeah. pretty pretty rough. Yeah, uh, Pride and Prejudice, uh, Little Women. There's a good version of Little Women with Claire Danes and Christian Bale and a bunch of famous actors. Gone with the Wind. Uh, I didn't pick Gone with the Wind. I, I was about to, but it's it's like a it's a three hour movie, and I think a movie based on a book shouldn't be that long. Like you should be able to make the transition from from a full length novel to an hour and a half movie or two hour movie. Is that and, also why you didn't pick Lord of the Rings? No, uh, I was thinking of Lord of the Rings too, but I think I think this is better because this this movie made me want to read the book. 
which is probably what obviously the best thing you can say about a movie based on yeah. a book. And I think they do such a good job capturing the essence of the book and the bleakness and and just seeing this father and son like do father and son things but the stakes are you know ramped up so high you know it's survival at the at the highest you know dodging cannibals and street gangs and stuff like that and uh i don't know it's hard to watch but i think it's one of the most profound cinematic experiences i've ever had watching this movie if that makes sense yeah it does i mean i can see that it was it was gut-wrenching yeah Charles, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I hear you and I, and I, and <laughs> okay. I no, no, I, I see all those qualities. I just, I don't like this movie that much and, and it's just not the kind of experience I would want to have over and over again. It's not one I really would want to watch again. Um, I appreciate all the elements you're talking about. I just, for me, this is kind of how it went in my head when you were, you know, you told me your picks, you know, you've got. Um, the Time Machine is an H.G. Wells classic novel. Okay, I get that. You're Beowulf, it's the first uh, story written down in English, Old English. I get that. Um, so these are great picks, and especially where you put them in the you know bad and ugly. But when you get to the good, there are so many. Like, uh, and and you picked like a bleak, depressing film, and I, I get that it's <laughs> to the source, but. Uh, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird would have been up on my list if I was putting one, um, the Harper Lee, great American novel kind of thing. And that's just, that's what I would have put, probably. That or Lord of the Rings would have been my pick for good. Um, but anyway, or, you know, Wizard of Oz or you know, any of the Michael Crichton novels, like a Jurassic Park. I mean, you've got all these great things um, that have kind of been cultural phenomenons. But anyway... So the, I just the the, bleak, the bleakness of it, the bleakness <laughs> of it really gets to me. There's it's 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 just a depressing depressing film. So no, he it's a happy ending. And and I well maybe I Kelly and I were discussing this earlier. Like is it like are we sure he's not just tricking them? The children never say anything at the end. Yeah, I think they left it kind of open. And the uh, and also speaking of uh, you know. McCarthy, like they, the I think No Country for Old Men would have been a really good choice too. Yeah, I thought about that one too. But um, anywho, but yeah, I so, don't know that. Okay, so what you you mentioned Jurassic Park? What what did you mention before that one? To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh yeah, yeah that that would have been a good pick. I don't love the movie as much as I love the book. See, I love Gregory mm-hmm. Peck which in is it. Hard. I just, like the, I think it's, the, I it's think... a really solid movie, but I don't I it's not one that like. That I've fallen in love with. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I, I also thought about Romeo and Juliet with DiCaprio. See, I did. Think, um, I thought of Shakespeare stuff uh, for you. I was thinking, yeah, that you know that would kind of completed what your you, you, the all three. I thought it would have gone better with it too, but I couldn't think of a I couldn't think of a Shakespeare movie that I thought was that great. Like aside from Romeo and Juliet, there's, but, a, there's a Macbeth version with Michael Fassbender that's great of of Macbeth. Ooh, I remember when that came out, and I really wanted to see it, and I never yeah, did. You so you it. would recommend? Yeah. It, lo- it looked like it was going to be really good. Well, and the thing about Jurassic Park uh, and Michael Crichton is I was trying to go for more, like, literary, kind of more – that's why I said well-regarded, whereas I yeah. think Jurassic Park would be more popular fiction. Yeah, no, I get that. That's why, That's why, like I said, I would have said something like Lord of the Rings uh, or To Kill a Mockingbird, yeah. but that's the only one I always switched out on you. Um you know, but anyway, I so I, I like these picks. I do. I just, I just this movie. I don't like bleak, bleak, depressing films. Like they're good to watch like one time, but then I don't want to keep reliving them. Well, the thing about the thing about McCarthy's book too is that he took this kind of um, not cartoonish, but there's a lot of like post-apocalyptic stuff that was a little over the top and and not quite serious. And he makes it this Pulitzer Prize-winning book, and it's like this post-apocalyptic hellscape you know, that usually you don't treat with this kind of weight. And, like, the poetry mm-hmm. of this movie, like, if his is not the voice of God, then God never spoke. The dad talking about the son. And just, like, it's those little tidbits that the movie really pulled out and, well, and chose and, well. And, as Kelly yeah. said, that Robert Duvall scene is, I think, the best scene yeah. in the movie by far. Yeah. I, and mm-hmm. It's weird to have these big actors play these really tiny roles. Like, yeah. um, 
even Charlize Theron, you know, in her flashback scenes, and that was an important character, or Guy Pierce showing up at the end, like, is that Guy Pierce? Like, I remember the first time I yeah. saw him, like, wait, no, he wouldn't be in it for. And he got he got like top billing too. Yeah, right? it's in, yeah. The, in, the, in the trailer we showed they showed all these people. The trailer is kind of misleading like because there's uh, the trailer uh, is bad. It's there's there's two trailers that I came across. Um, uh, and I was debating which one to show tonight, but um, one of them makes it seem like a big action movie, um, and they and they like intercut Charlize throughout it as if she's part of them the whole time. And then they have the they you know they talk all the Academy Award winners and nominees. They show Guy Pierce. They show Robert Duvall, yeah. and I'm like, all right, that's not that's they kind of cheated that. And then so then I found the other one that I actually showed where it, it has more of the bleakness and it shows more of the Malone and him narrating it, yeah. but it still intercuts her throughout the thing, and you just yeah. you don't realize how isolating the movie can feel. Um, yeah, the trail the trailer is basically like. This this movie totally isn't all about cannibals trying to eat them the whole time and horror horrific scenes. From guys. what I understand, probably... it's very very close to the novel too. It follows the, the plot really well. And it is, and actually, it, it tones it down it, though, right? Because it gives. The, I've read that the movie gives more hope than the book did. That the yeah, like it, the it in the book, in there, the cannibals fashion, are eating though. the cannibals are eating babies. Like there's a baby on a Spitfire or something. I, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah there, Have you read the book, a, Kelly? Yeah. No, I haven't. But I was reading that same thing about yeah. the book. Yeah. Um, he does. Cormac McCarthy does a lot with infanticide because there's a. He did the border trilogy with like Native Americans battling in Mexico and Americans, and there was a scene with where they were like doing that with babies as well. But uh, so I think that's one of his weird things he does a lot. But uh, yeah, the, they they actually shot that scene for the movie and they decided not to include it. Mm. Uh, I think rightfully so. Yeah, you know? yeah. didn't it was, need it. It was yeah. it was dark enough without. it. But in terms of post-apocalyptic, like this is the most realistic movie I've ever seen because of the source material. Like this is how I feel things could go wrong and what might actually happen. Yeah, Uh, I would agree with that. You don't think I could go Mad Max style? Yeah, I love. Have you seen Mad? You've seen the Mad Max movies, right? Have you seen any of them? I have not. Oh man, we. I want to see Fury Road. I wanted to do like a post-apocalypse genre at some point. You should do that. You should do that Uh, at some point. You should. Yeah. Cause that, that I mean, I just pick something different than the road, so I don't have to watch it again. But well, we already did it, so now it's uh-huh. now it's done. No, I always tell Kelly, like I always say, pick the one you think is the best. So, but anyway, so if you think the road is the best post apocalyptic, I guess we'll suit up and watch it again. <laughs> suit up. <laughs> I like it. I wouldn't do that to y'all. Thank you. you. Did it to us this time. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, there's plenty of other rough ones out there. I'll, yes, and for every rough one you made me watch, I'll make sure you watch another room or something. <laughs> Just... Have you have have we ever done the room on this podcast? Nope. No, not not as one of the good, bad, and oh, ugly. Man. We we've talked about it though a lot, and like we five did five years of suspense building up and here, we, Charles. We, whenever like Topher and I saw Tommy was so in Dallas, and we we did a little review like on the spot of the movie there, but. <laughs> How would you do, like, what would the genre even be other than cult classics? Actually, I didn't even I didn't think about of that. anything. I didn't even think of that, that until you said cult classics. That's a good one, actually. That. Yeah. I don't know. So, something to think about. Tease mm-hmm. our viewers. Yes. And actually. Well, that, I, think, I think these were good picks. Mike. Yeah, I was going to say, do. speaking of that, you. like, we could talk about the next episode. Um, it's yeah. going to be Kelly's Choice. Picks. Yeah. Okay. So, um, pencil out. and I'm not going right. to cut you off. This is all you. I'm not cutting you off. Go ahead. Okay. Well, you say that now, but you know, sometimes I'm not holding you to that, but, um, okay. So this, this is the, the first time I, that I can remember really having done anything like this, but I was so amped about your, your pick Mark. I think I am going to do a little continuation of this. Oh, We're going to do well-regarded fiction part two. Oh yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to specify, I'm going to narrow the lens a little bit more and I'm going to say, let's do uh, adaptations of classic fiction, like anything before the year 1900. Um, and so my picks are in chronological order, the turn of the screw from 1992, the scarlet letter from 1995 and Pride and Prejudice from 2005. Oh, the Demi Moore Scarlet Letter. Eesh. Eesh. Okay. I don't think I've ever that seen that all the way through. I'm excited about Pride and Prejudice because I've never seen it and everybody says it's so great. 
Ah, well, it, it could also one, be bad. Or right. that the one with, is that the one with zombies? That the one we're watching? No. Okay. Decidedly not, Charles. Okay. <laughs> How dare you, you <sighs> ruffian. <laughs> you plebeian. Yeah. You can't pick any, like, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein or anything? Okay. All right, fine. Dracula. <laughs> hey, you can do a part three, and you can, you know, I will do, do no uh, such thing. I have my, <laughs> I have my genre, I think, so... The twist is, though, we have to all read the books as well as watch the movie. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and we... We'll be dick. Yeah. Actually, that's a good one. Um, we, um, we are going to be doing uh, an Oscars episode, like a little special episode, a little mini one. Um, what do we decide? It's going to be on the 20th at 8.30. We'll be doing it live. Mm-hmm. I think Toby's going to join yes. us. So what we do is... Um, we, all the awards basically have been all the shows are done except for the Oscars. Oscars typically the last one, and um, now that we have the BAFTAs, we have we can look at all of the awards, what everybody's won, and we can kind of give you an accurate prediction. The whole thing is not really to discuss the films so much as to help you win in your Oscar polls and uh, you know contests and all that. So um, it's you know in the past we even based on all that we don't always get it right, but we get really close. Usually it's that best picture winner that throws us for a loop, and mm-hmm. this year is no different. I, I, it, even seeing all the other awards, I still have no clue. There's no front runner. Um, I think the actors are kind of a lock, but we'll see. The supporting actress is kind of an interesting category. Um, but yeah, so we'll be we'll be doing that live. That's the, the Thursday, the twentieth. Um, it's the Oscars are on the twenty fourth, so we're doing it a few days before the Oscars. Get your time to get all the you know all your stuff in. Um, and hopefully win. It's gonna be fun. Are we doing any James Bond coming up? Have we decided that yet? You know, you keep asking Charles, and we keep. <laughs> I ask once <laughs> a month. Once a month, I ask at the show. <laughs> you can only ask twelve times a year, man. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't think too we've much? decided. We have not set a date yet. Okay, we will. Okay, here's the thing: we'll set a date before the next podcast. Yes, we will. Okay, we think. <laughs> and some more well-regarded okay. fiction. Okay, I'm excited about this. I'm happy that I. I'm happy that I, that Kelly's keeping it going. This is going to be cool. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, you guys can always check us out at itsjustawesome.com or on iTunes and Twitter at Good Bad Podcast, and that is all one word. That's the best outro I've ever done. Boom. And I didn't mess you up. Crushed so there you it. go. Boom. Nicely yeah. done. All right. If this mic were smaller, I would drop it. <laughs> All right. So I guess we'll see you later, guys. Have a good All one. Right, Have thanks. a good one.